Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to the 509th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you my perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me on my own blog. Of course it's labeled as DanielFeuerstein.com but it is the Feuerstein's Fire blog. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening in Porto, Spain. Actually, excuse me, in uh, Portugal, Porto, Portugal, at the club FC Porto. Manchester City versus Chelsea for the UEFA Champions League title. Two English clubs going at it. Two Americans technically going at it. One is on the bench. The other one came off the bench. Christian Pulisic is the first American footballer. The first American soccer player to hoist the European Club Championship trophy. The UEFA Champions League, which we all saw on CBS Sports nationally, Paramount Plus app on your smartphones and web-enabled devices. Came in after the hour mark, nearly had a goal, but made history as the first American to win and earn a first-place medal in the UEFA Champions League. Hershey, Pennsylvania, going crazy. Every American bar, pub, going crazy. Every American household, going bonkers. Wearing a sweatshirt with the current U.S. Soccer Federation crest on the front. His parents flying to Portugal to be there with their son to see him achieve this great moment. And for us, for us to see him hoisting that title, celebrating that title, that is one box ticked off on the list of many to see an American player finally lifting a trophy of importance. As we all know, John Harkes was the first American in England to go to an FA Cup final. Tim Howard was the second American to go to an FA Cup final and will be the first American to win the FA Cup championship 
with Manchester United as the starting goalkeeper. To see our players all over the world, especially in Europe, it is a wonderful thing to see. It is a beautiful thing to see. But who would have thought this kid from central Pennsylvania in the land of chocolate went straight to Europe, developed by Borussia Dortmund of the German Bundesliga, getting an opportunity to play in the Bundesliga. And then when he, his position or his roster spot was taken, transferred to Chelsea for an amazing deal, tutelage of Frank Lampard, and now Thomas Tuchel, who guided this club to European club ecstasy. To lift that gigantic Champions League trophy was something I never thought I would ever see. Yes, there have been another American to play in the Champions League. Nevin Sabotic has won. But he did not win that title. Christian Pulisic won that title. A 1-0 victory over Manchester City as the two English clubs did it in Portugal. How proud are you of our players? How proud are you of Christian Pulisic doing the impossible? I know he didn't score a goal because if he would have scored that opportunity, the entire country would have been rocking. Every America fan would have gone ballistic, bananas, blank crazy. Christian Pulisic shows you what hard work can do when you get an opportunity, whether you are coming off the bench or you're starting. To see what he has accomplished in his European career has been exquisite. How exciting is it to see him pulling off that big moment? It makes me proud, very, very proud. And very happy that our players are getting the opportunities to showcase their stuff in Europe, whether it be in Italy, Germany, England, Spain, Scotland, Ireland, France, anywhere and everywhere, Turkey. Some of the biggest names, some of the biggest clubs in Europe 
getting opportunity to perform at the highest level. And now all we need, whether we do qualify for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar or we qualify automatically with Mexico and Canada as the hosts of the 2026 World Cup, be that nation to finally win that little golden trophy. I am proud and I am happy to see another piece of success come to one of our players and prove to everyone, proving to everyone in the world, we can play this game. We can go out, show our stuff, strut our stuff, be technically gifted Go out credible. The competition is strong. The competition is fierce. We already know that the women are the strongest in the world when it comes to women's soccer. Our women are the best in the world. Now it's time to show that the men's side is at that same level. Our boys, our men, are starting to show the entire world that we can perform at the highest level. We can dribble that ball. We have the technical ability to move forward and go forward. And this is why this show continues to be strong and support the game in this country. We have a CONCACAF Nations League semifinal this coming Thursday in June. Next, in July, we have a CONCACAF Gold Cup to perform. And then a couple more months down the road... We've got World Cup qualifying to get underway. What we have to show and continue to prove, we can play this game. We are better than we have been in the past. Those people started the whole thing that began in 1990. Qualify for the World Cup since 1950. Hosting the World Cup in 94. Going out and proving people wrong. 2002. Since the first World Cup in 1930, we went to the semifinals. We went as far as the quarters. In 2002. We've had moments. Good matches, we've had so-so matches, we've had bad matches. But the one thing we are proving now in the club level is that we have the players to perform. Not just within our league in Major League Soccer, but now in the Premier League. The Bundesliga. Serie A. La Liga. 
French League on Scottish Premier League. Editor Diversity. We have players go out and prove to every single one of these other players from European countries and hell, maybe even South American countries, even even in Mexico, we can play this game. And until the day comes that our national team gets out of the group stage and takes out every single opponent in the knockout stage from the second round to the quarterfinals to the semifinals and then have that opportunity. Have that opportunity to win that little golden trophy with the with the jade green trim and hoist it over the our heads to say we are the world champions of football. There should be a party nonstop in our nation. From Times Square in New York all the way to Los Angeles, as far south as Miami, as far north as Minnesota, back down to Dallas, to Houston, to San Antonio, to Boston, to St. Louis, to Chicago, Detroit, Seattle, Portland, Salt Lake City, anywhere, everywhere, Sioux Falls, Boise. Every single state in our country. It is time to go out and celebrate that moment. Christian Pulisic, congratulations on being the first American footballer to win the UEFA Champions League with Chelsea. Congratulations to you, and congratulations to your family. I know your mother and father are proud. We are proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. You are fantastic. Great show for you tonight. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the situation with Inter Miami and the hefty fines that they have to pay. But joining me right now, my good friend from World Soccer Talk, Carter Krishnire, as everyone has known and heard, U.S. Soccer and Soccer United Marketing, the marketing wing of Major League Soccer, are no longer going to be in business together. That situation will be ending very, very soon, in a couple of months, I believe, or towards the end of the 2021 calendar year. Once again, Carter Krishnire joining me from World Soccer Talk to discuss that moment. Carter, good evening. Before we talk about this, how I know... You're having your problems with Manchester City and being involved with that Super League. But the truth is, how does it feel for you, even though Zach Steffen never really played the game uh, in the final, but still, though, Christian Pulisic is the first American footballer to win with Chelsea the UEFA Champions League and getting his first place medal. Yeah, it's a great accomplishment, and, and, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a very, very good player. I, I do want to point out, because I, I have been a little annoyed by this narrative of the first, that uh, Nevin Subotic, who uh, grew up here in Florida, 
played for the U.S. U-17s, played for the U.S. U-20s, um, actually started a Champions League final. Now, of course, he didn't win it. And then he switched to Serbia. We kind of know the reasons, right, with the internal thing, coaching thing with the USSF. Um, don't want to get too deep into it. But then, of course, they lost the final. Jovan Karofsky, um was on a winning team uh, and got a medal um, but did not dress for the final with Borussia Dortmund. So, yeah, great accomplishment for Pulisic. Um, it's been a great year for CONCACAF players winning uh, uh, trophies. You know, we saw uh, Josh Cohen win the uh, trophy for Maccabi Haifa. Um, American obviously came out of USL. Uh, and Alfonso Davies winning uh, the uh, – well, he won the Champions League last year, right, for Bayern, and this year winning the uh, – uh, the Bundesliga won it last year. Also, Jonathan David, without that guy, New York-born Jonathan David, who, of course, um, elected to play for Canada instead of the U.S. Uh, uh, Jonathan David, um, without his goals, Will doesn't win the French League. Weston McKinney won Coppa Italia. Um, and uh, uh, Tyler Adams got, uh, got to the uh, the final. Uh, now, Gio Reyna won the final for Borussia Dortmund, but he played like a minute in the, in the final. Tyler Adams started that match and played decently. Um, played uh, played 90 minutes as Leipzig lost, but uh, a really big year for Concacaf guys. I know I know there are uh, some Mexican players that have done well in Europe also that are escaping me. Um, yeah, last season obviously with Napoli winning, you know, a top Mexican player Irving Alonso, Irving Alonso there. Um, so trophies have become a thing in Concacaf. This is like this is a really really cool uh, cool, cool period for this this. Uh, region. And let's not forget, Taylor Navas won a couple Champions League. So um, Pulisic joining a list of players from this region. You know, Daniel, 10 years ago, if a guy from, the Mex- from Mexico or the U.S. won a major trophy, it was, a big, it was big news. Now you've got lots of guys from CONCACAF winning a major trophy. Like I said, a Canadian player in Jonathan David, American-born player, but Canadian international, um, I think it's is more responsible for Will winning the French League than any single player. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure he'll be in the player of the year consideration in France along with Neymar and Mbappe and those guys. So what a year. And Pulisic winning just uh, puts the cherry on the uh, uh, icing on the, well, what's the, you know, icing on the cake. Sorry. A cherry yep. on the top icing on the cake. Absolutely. And it's, it's very proud of all of our players playing in Europe, winning trophies, Obviously, of course, Jesse Marsh winning another oh, uh, Austrian title uh, with uh, sorry, Red Bull sorry, Salzburg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Brendan Aronson, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, look, our talent, our talent is getting stronger. It's getting better. And, you know, now it's the job of uh, Berhalter to uh, uh, get these players prepared, ready to go, and uh, – like we said, Nations League going to start this coming Thursday for the semis. Uh, as the U.S. going to take on Honduras, and if they win that, they'll hopefully host. Uh, will uh, get to the final uh, this coming Sunday, and then of course next month in July. I know we're still in May, but still though, tomorrow starts June. But once we get to July, the Gold Cup, and then September comes, and here comes the here comes the sprint for World Cup qualifying now. So we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen. So Cardick, you know. As we all know, U.S. Soccer joined with Major League Soccer's marketing arm in some Soccer United marketing, and now that partnership that has been together for so long, the last, I guess, 15, 20 years, 
is now about to end. You've had your yeah. problems and your complaints about this. And for those that are not familiar with it, explain why before the breakup did happen, in your opinion. Yeah, so I, I, I felt for a long time that um, U.S. soccer was being shortchanged. Okay, there were a couple reasons. One, I felt like U.S. soccer was being shortchanged by this deal with some. I think that their rights are worth more on the open market than they've gotten from some. Secondly, I felt like some doing this deal with MLS effectively um, was a subsidy for MLS. And it's a subsidy USL doesn't get, NISA doesn't get, NASL didn't get back in the day. Uh, NWSL did get a subsidy in another fashion. However, the women were still very unhappy about this deal. Women's national team players very unhappy about the sub deal because it included the U.S. women's national team. And then the third thing I would say, um, importantly, is that I think that we need to know the value of MLS as a standalone property. We don't right now. And we're not able to really assess its value as a standalone property because it has been bundled with the U.S. team. Now, there are people who tell me, because the U.S. men have been pretty lousy of late, that the, that the, the value of the, the U.S. Uh, package isn't what I think it is or what, I, what it used to be. However, I would argue um, the U.S. women more than offset that. So in the, the, the bottom line is now um, the packages have been separated, but those were the reasons why I did not like the bundling in the first place. And, and look, I, the other point I've made is, look, if you want to bundle MLS with U.S. soccer rights, then you should bundle NWSL and USL along with MLS and USSF rights. Uh, by, by, uh, by bundling one pro league and not the others, they, and NASL previously also should have been part of a bundle, they played favorites, is my point. Yeah, and I agree with that because, you know, you're trying if, – if you're the federation, your job is to not look like you're favoring one league to another – or you're not favoring these leagues with the other leagues, or whether it be the male leagues or the female leagues, you're supposed right. to show yourself to be an independent and the governing body of the sport in this country. And that's an absolutely great thing to say because the truth is, look, as much as the Federation is trying to do their best, we have seen time after time after time time that they don't seem to care about the negativity that they bring upon themselves when you do stuff like this and i I just feel like you know the the federation needed people at some to put themselves in the position well why couldn't they just get those people from some that they felt comfortable with and bring them into chicago house you know for u.s soccer i mean i or soccer house uh, in, you know, in Chicago to get this to get have these issues taken care of, which they're doing now. But I mean, while it's great to see that, isn't it a little too little, too late to separate since you've been you know connected to the hip, some and MLS. Um. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that, but I'll take it, right? I mean, I, I, I'd rather it happen now than not happen at all. But yes. I do think um, it's been a, a very um, advantageous relationship for MLS. And look, I, um, 
I think when some was formed, it was important that MLS monetize the marketing um, mar- mar- marketing arm here of um, uh, of the sport in the U.S. because there were independent mass promoters who, quite frankly, I mean, and, and you know, independent soccer people hate when I say this, right? Because they they want me to be 100% with them. You can be 99% with some of these pro rel people, and, and they still think that you're. Um, uh, that, that they should chop your head off at the guillotine and disagree with them on one thing. And one of the things I disagree with them on is I think some was really important in terms of professionalizing the marketing of, uh, of, of the sport in this country when it was formed. I mean, you had all these fly-by-night promoters out there doing all kinds of strange things in the early 2000s and late 90s with games. Um, now, then later, Charlie Stilatano who was running one of those promotion companies, and you know, you know well from the dreadful days, decided to sue U.S. Soccer Champions League, Champions League lawsuit, and now Stilatano obviously is an employee of Stephen Roth and Relevant, who are uh, big players, right, who are the first, I think, other entity outside of some to actually professionalize marketing, soccer marketing in this country, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, match management and tournaments and that sort of thing. And obviously, very recently, uh, even Ross was on a conference call with uh, um, ESPN and La Liga, right? Because he, he's been in the middle of La Liga moving from DN to ESPN. But I think Soccer United marketing was really important initially for that reason. But as time went on, it became, you know, and MLS was fine, right? After a while, we knew MLS was going to survive. They're getting record expansion fees. They got all this investment in the league. It became, in my opinion, a direct subsidy from U.S. soccer to MLS for MLS to manage the TV rights and give U.S. soccer. Let me explain this to the listeners. U.S. soccer never got – they got a, a, a flat amount every year from the TV deal, irrespective of what the viewership numbers were. So there were several seasons uh, in this current package, this eight-year deal that was signed with ESPN and Fox and with Univision, where the, where the, um, the viewership for the U.S. men's and women's national team, if you added up all the games that were part of the packages on Fox and Univision and ESPN, um, were significantly higher than the, the, the viewership for MLS matches. Yet most of the, the money generated from the packages remained in MLS's coffers or in some coffers. So that was my objection to it, one of my objections to it. Um, is it too late to de-link? Uh, you, you, you asked that. Uh, it, it is late, right? And de-linking is mm-hmm. not that easy, Daniel. But but it, it's being done, so I, I say better late than never. Yeah, that's true. I, I can see your point. And I, I think right now this is the best thing that can happen uh, with U.S. soccer and MLS because we got to have some form of separation. I mean, look, you're not going to see – uh, a linking up between the Premier League and the English FA with this sort of situation. Right. Uh, you'll never no, see never, this in never, France. Never you'll never see this. At, no, it'll never happen because yeah. let, let me say this. And in, in some ways, you know, the health of the sport is at a place where I don't think we've been able to say it has been for a very, very long time. I mean, obviously, the great the greatness of the 2002 World Cup. For our players, because the majority of the players were from MLS, maybe at the time I can understand why that both sides wanted to link up. But still, though, um, 
the national team has not been um, as popular as it has been for like the last, I don't know, 10, 20, 10, 12 years, I would say. And, you know, going yeah. into Brazil for the World Cup was absolutely fantastic. How many times you've seen Americans traveling to all these countries, not just for World Cup qualifying, for road games, but the World Cup itself, going to Brazil in 2014. Of course, it would have been fantastic for some of us to go to Russia in 2018 if they would have qualified for it. But, you know, in some ways... I mean, maybe this was a bright spot, but still, you're not too sure because, you know, the Federation is supposed to stand alone and do these things on their own. Maybe they didn't have the people uh, to do these sort of decisions. Yeah, I mean, previously their rights had been they, – they had outsourced their rights to um, to uh, IMG, but I think it was a much fairer arrangement. And um, so I think that, that at that point you're looking at – um, an opportunity to, um, um, to uh, after 2002 to help MLS out, right? Some was formed right after the 2002 World Cup, and one of one of the reasons it was formed was to ensure that the TV rights. What had happened is uh, NBC, which at the time wasn't in the soccer business, hard to believe now thinking about it, because NBC is so synonymous with the Premier League in this country. But um, in 2003, when uh, when bidding for the for the, for the 2006 and 2010 World Cup came up, NBC was the high bidder in English. Um, and it, MLS and, and, and U.S. soccer thought it was unfortunate that a network was going to cover soccer without covering the domestic game. So they, they, they created some, they bundled the packages, they bought the World Cup rights from FIFA, uh, outbid NBC, and uh, some lingering bidders at NBC on that for years. Um, that's why NBC didn't get involved with MLS until 2011, right? 2011 or 2012, they, they got MLS rights. But, um, and then Premier League rights soon after. Uh, that was the reason it was done. So it was coming off that 2002 World Cup. Um, but I think it, 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 it far outlived its, its um, I don't want to say usefulness, because it became a very useful arrangement for MLS, but it far outlived, outlived its need. Um, and this, this should have been broken off, I would say, going into – the rights deal that MLS negotiated um, with uh, NBC and ESPN uh, in 2012, right, for the 12, 13, and 14 seasons, that three-year deal, um, that should have been where it was de-linked. Um, now, there was also the reality at that at the time, maybe um, NBC, who got involved in the bidding then, right, did not want MLS rights but wanted national team rights. So you could argue that. Um, once they got the uh, the Premier League, they, they lost interest in other soccer leagues, which um, yeah, we can talk about that another time. But CBS is really running the table yep. in terms of bidding and, and picking up leagues. You know, they picked up Serie A since the last time we talked about them on this show, and they picked up the Concacaf Nations League. We're going to watch the U.S. on there this week. They picked up the Brasileiro and the Argentine League, and uh, they they may make more moves from what I understand. It's pretty pretty unbelievable the stuff they picked up in fact uh, i just got a, a gift from cbs uh, that i uh, showed on twitter and they have also picked up the afc women's asian cup and the afc champions league you know from asia on cbs but anyway um i think what's important now to understand daniel is that we're looking at a situation where with the packages separate i think it's going to also allow more flexibility for networks like cbs um uh, to bid on either MLS 
or um, or uh, uh, the U.S. national team. I think it might help uh, stimulate some interest from from the likes of Turner Sports um, and some others uh, in in both MLS and the national team. Because the other issue is by by having the packages linked, you have to show both the the national teams, uh, the, the men's and women's national teams, and MLS. And we're finding, yep. uh, particularly ESPN, again yesterday, um, that sometimes they try and shoehorn these national team games that are in Europe because they're in the middle of the afternoon in between other sports. And I don't know how many times now we've had to start watching the U.S. game on ESPN Plus or ESPN News or ESPN3. So maybe, maybe it's just best that ESPN bid on MLS and not bid on the U.S. teams. Uh, and Fox do the opposite. Maybe Fox shouldn't bother with MLS anymore, but with, since they have the World Cups, both on the women's and men's side, for the next two cycles, maybe uh, uh, they should bid on uh, the U.S. national team package, separate from MLS. So it, it might really work out all of this. You know what would be interesting, Kardik? Is that CBS all of a sudden gets involved with MLS. I think that would be a major big-time move to have CBS show MLS, not just on uh, nationally CBS. For me, it's Channel 2 here in New York. But, of course, CBS Sports Network now showing an MLS match, probably on a Sunday night. I mean, they've done so well with the women's game, with the National Women's Soccer League, with the NWSL. They have really, really brought in great, talented people, former players like Ali Wagner on it. My friend Tina Servacio is the host for the NWSL pregame, halftime, postgame shows. Uh, Tina Servacio does a fantastic job. I know her very well, even before she was in TV. Um, to me, could you imagine that CBS Sports comes out of nowhere and says, you know what, we want to take on and tackle Major League Soccer. That would be amazing because as, as Fox has done a good job with it, feeling that Maybe they're not going to get involved with it anymore. Now, that's just my personal opinion. Who knows how much longer Fox would want to show MLS. But if you have CBS that says, you know what, if you're bringing in CONCACAF events to either CBS Sports Network, CBS National, as well as their Paramount Plus app, could you imagine what could happen here? And and I think Don Garber is now seeing um, the streaming rights are just as big as the television rights that are coming on. Because let's, let's be honest, sooner rather than later, you know, with NBC's Peacock app, ESPN's Plus app, um, I mean, you know, streaming is the way of the future. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think it's possible also that MLS is going to uh, have some talks with, with, with uh, the new spinoff uh, that, that has been created by Turner and uh, – and uh, AT&T spinoff, the, the merger of Turner and Discovery Plus. Now, I have uh, been, been saying for a while, I thought Discovery Plus was going to Discovery Network, Discovery Plus. And, of course, Discovery has a history in soccer with, uh, in the U.S. with the Hendricks family owning the Washington, uh, the Washington Club in WPS and WUSA. Yeah, it wasn't called the Spirit. That yeah. was called, uh, what was they called? Uh, Freedom? No. They were, whatever they were called. I forgot what they were called right. then. But, um uh, which I'm going to kill myself about forgetting their, their nickname, but uh, they own that club. Uh, Discovery has uh, they launched Discovery Plus in January. Daniel, they they put in a bid right away for Liga uh, 
rights domestically in France because they launched Discovery Plus in Europe also uh, in January. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they've already registered some interest domestically in France for uh, Liga en Rights. They were outbid, as it turns out, by BN. Uh, but um, uh, being domestically in France, although BN, of course, has that league here in the U.S. also, is an indication to me that they're after sports rights. Um, now they're merging with Turner. So I think you might see the Discovery Plus people go after MLS. So I think uh, Don Gardner and Mark Abbott are going to want to talk to them. They're going to want to talk to CBS, and they're going to want to talk to ESPN. On your Fox point, I, I think you're absolutely right. Fox was going to try and keep MLS because they want to keep national team rights. Now they have the ability, if you're Fox, just to go to the Federation and say, hey, let's do a deal, and maybe the deal will be all U.S. games will be on Fox. There'll be no more ESPN component. No, the CBS obviously has the CONCACAF rights. So the CONCACAF games, like Nations League, will be on uh, CBS and away qualifiers. But um, they could do a deal where they get all the U.S. men and women's home games, um, which would be really good for Fox going into the World Cup, Women's World Cup in 2023, men's world cup here in the states in 2026 so i look for that the other thing i think might happen is that the men's and women's packages may get split in some way now if they get split in some way i think cbs comes hard after the u.s women's package um yeah to go along with wsl coverage um and uh, actually cbs showed us the final of the women's champions league from europe the chelsea uh, barcelona match with on Paramount Plus. That was a surprise. They, they picked up the rights like two or three days before the game because there was some interest in the game here in the States. Um, and now, as I said, I mean, I'm looking at the thing that they sent me. They had picked up the Women's um, Asian Champions League, which I was not aware of. So, you know, they're making a big push in the women's game, CBS, as you said. Yeah. No, I'm telling you right now, if CBS is going to be doing everything possible – uh, to improve soccer coverage in the U.S. I mean, I think that's all I've been asking for, to be honest with you. Uh, the respect of our game here in our country, especially with MLS. I mean, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. I think ESPN has done a very good job covering USL Championship, League One, uh, the Open Cup that they have uh, under their belt. Hopefully there will be an Open Cup uh, tournament this year. And I know they've already laid it out, but of course... Uh, coronavirus has uh, knocked out that opening round, and we'll have to wait and see what will happen. But if it's going to be ready for 2022, so be it. I'm ready for it in 2022. I just want to make sure no one's going to get sick. But it looks like everything's starting to finally uh, come into place as um, the numbers for this for the coronavirus, uh, uh, those that have been uh, affected by it, are the numbers are, are really going down. And I'm very happy to see that and very happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, and so hopefully we have um, we have we ha- we have a, uh, a open cup this year. Uh, I know there are a lot of teams at the at the adult amateur re- level that are unhappy about the situation with the open cup. But um, uh, let, 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 let's talk realistically about what happens with these packages. So I think you're looking yep. at a real possibility that um, the next six weeks, uh, sorry, the next. Um, uh, six months, you'll see uh, some movement, and we'll get some leaks. I, uh, I I know CBS is interested in acquiring more properties. I don't know if 
um, they're going to be able to pry MLS free completely. They may have to split it with ESPN. As I mentioned, I think Discovery is a player. I also think Discovery is a player for Premier League rights, by the way. That was how I opened the thing. I think, I think it's going to come down, my opinion, to Discovery versus uh, NBC. The fact that NBC has uh, a linear, you know, NBC over the year probably will, will, will mean they'll keep the rights, although Discovery now, has the ability to put games on TBS and, uh, and TNT uh, and, and, each, and, well, HBO, I don't think they'll, they'll use anymore for sports. They used to, but uh, in TNT and TBS right. also in addition to the Discovery Network, but not a over-the-air channel, right? They're all cable channels. Um, but I think yep. all of these people are going to be players for MLS rights. And then on the national team side, I really think Fox, this is a great opportunity for them um, to, 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 to kind of take all these games. Um, now, this also means the Spanish language uh, thing gets split. Does this mean that Univision, who has been primarily interested in the, in the package because they want the U.S. men's national team rights more than the women's national team on the Spanish side, does this mean Univision doesn't bid on MLS? I hope that's not the case. What might end up happening, though, Daniel, is you might end up having ESPN pick up the Spanish side also and putting it on Deportes. Or... Fox mm-hmm. stays interested in that's it for Fox Deportes because my I need to talk to some folks at Univision. I haven't since this has happened. I used to some of my contacts at Univision aren't there anymore. But um, Televisa has bought Univision. That's why they have two DNA. Uh, Univision, which used to be Univision Deportes, Univision is now Televisa Univision Deportes Network, and um, their primary interests are um, Liga and Mackey's. Mexican national team and U.S. national team. So I think, and and, and of course, uh, Champions League and Europa League. So I think, uh, from Europe, right, UEFA Champions League, I think they may try and just bid on the U.S. package, Univision, which will then give ESPN maybe the opportunity to show MLS games in Spanish also. Exactly. Well, there's a lot to digest there, and let's hope everything uh, works well for MLS and U.S. soccer separately. And uh, I, I really think the future's bright here when it comes to these television right de- rights deals and these packages. So we'll see what happens down the road. The Cardiff, I'll talk to you again uh, this Thursday night for post game with USA Honduras in the Concacaf Nations League semifinal post game show. You have a good night, and uh, hope you enjoy yep, your evening. Too. Thanks again. Great, thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Carter Krishnar, World Soccer Talk on the USA's right situation. Um, of course, uh, some and U.S. soccer separating now, uh, no longer in business together when it comes to the marketing department. Um, and here is, of course, this is the um, uh, the um, the uh, quotes for this uh, situation, and uh, here it is. While U.S. soccer has made the important business decision, the Federation is deeply grateful to Don Garber, Gary Stevenson, and the entire staff at SUM, Soccer United Marketing, for helping us reach so many of our goals and objectives during the past two decades, and U.S. soccer CEO Will Wilson. Do, uh, this is a quote. Due to, uh, said, excuse me, said U.S. soccer CEO Will Wilson, due to the incredible professional and, prof- and personal relationships developed between SUM and U.S. soccer, and the commitment by both organizations to collaborate together on all aspects of the business. U.S. soccer has a bright future within the sports landscape as we look to take the next step in the evolution of U.S. soccer and continue to strive to be the preeminent sport 
in this country. And now for the other one, uh, this is from Soccer United Marketing, um, and this is also uh, from Commissioner Don Garber. Soccer United Marketing is proud to have worked closely with U.S. soccer for nearly two decades to elevate soccer in this country. And that's from Don Garber, the MLS commissioner and some CEO. During the last two decades, some support of the Federation was steadfast, and we achieved all of our goals to improve the commercial value of U.S. soccer. While we will always be available to collaborate with them in our collective goal of advancing soccer in the U.S., Soccer United Marketing looks forward to focusing on new, exciting, and valuable opportunities for Major League Soccer and future partners. A 20-year commercial representation relationship is extremely rare in the sports industry. We are proud of everything we accomplished together, and we wish U.S. Soccer well as they embark on this next chapter. So for those of you who uh, are hoping that this thing has ended, it, will, it has officially ended. And, um, you know, look, let's see what happens moving forward with uh, these two properties. Now, as everyone knows, this past Friday, Inter-Miami was hit with big sanctions by Major League Soccer, all because of the roster interpretation as Inter-Miami was bringing over in last year in August the signing of Blaise Matuidi. Uh, Major League Soccer this past Friday announced sanctions against Inter-Miami uh, resulting from an investigation launched into the uh, August 2020 signing of Blaise Matuidi. The full statement uh, from MLS's website, and this is what it is. Major League Soccer today announced sanctions for Inter-Miami uh, violating MLS salary, budget, and roster guidelines during the 2020 season. The violations include the incorrect roster categorization for players Blaise Matuidi and Andreas Reyes, who should have occupied a designated player spot. The violations also included undisclosed agreements that resulted in the underreporting of salary budget amounts for players Leandro Gonzalez Perez, Nicolas Figal, and Julian Carranza. Penalty included a $2 million fine to the club and a $250,000 fine to managing owner Jorge Mas. In addition, Paul McDonough, Inter Miami's chief operating officer and sporting director at the time of the infractions, has been suspended through the end of the 2020 MLS season. MLS also imposed a reduction of $2,271,250 in allocation dollars for the 2022 and 23 seasons. None of the Inter Miami players were the subject of the investigation, committed any violation, nor were aware of the violations. Their current contracts with MLS remain in full force and effect. The integrity of our rules is sacrosanct, and it is a fundamental principle of our league that our clubs are responsible for adhering to all league regulations, said MLS Commissioner Don Garber. Our rules will not be compromised. These sanctions reflect... The severity of Inter-Miami's violations should encourage complete cooperation by all parties in future investigations and will serve as a deterrent for clubs from violating roster rules. The comprehensive investigation by Major League Soccer included interviews with the Inter-Miami staff and ownership and a review of more than 1,400 pages of documents. Based on the investigator. In the uh, investigation's findings, Commissioner Garber has imposed the following discipline once again. Inter-Miami is fined $2 million. 
Inter Miami's allocation dollars for 22 and 23 were reduced by two million two hundred seventy-one million two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Former Inter Miami Chief Operating Officer and Sporting Director Paul McDonough is suspended from any MLS related activity for the remainder of the 2021 MLS season and through the entire 22 season for next year, effective immediately. McDonough may petition the office of the commissioner on or after March 1st, 22, for a review of his of this suspension period. Managing owner Jorge Moss is fined $250,000 as managing owner of Inter-Miami. Moss approved all player-related agreements and transactions. He was ultimately responsible for making sure Inter-Miami had sufficient controls and protocols in place to ensure compliance with MLS rules. While Moss was cooperative with the league's investigation and, importantly, altered league, excuse me, alerted league investigators to, excuse me, uh, investigators to critical information regarding undisclosed player-related agreements. One second. Sorry about that. Investigators found that he failed to disclose his knowledge of the Mutuidi violation at the appropriate time under, required under MLS rules. The investigation found no wrongdoing on the part of Inter-Miami owners Marcelo Clare, Masayoshi Son, Jose Mas, and David Beckham. Prior to the insurance, uh, uh, if I can say this word correctly, assurance of sanctions Inter-Miami under the leadership of Jorge Mas has undertaken significant proactive reform efforts to ensure the club is fully compliant with MLS rules going forward. Inter-Miami is required to present its full compliance protocol to the league office on or before May 31st, 2021. Today is May 31st, so uh, let's see what happens there. Following the announcement of the sanctions, Inter-Miami managing order Jorge Mas issued the following statement. Inter-Miami acknowledges that the club violated Major League Soccer's roster rules in our first season. We have worked closely with MLS to address these rules and have made significant changes in our management structure. Following our inaugural season, we took a deep look at our soccer operations leadership group and made decisions that not only strengthened our internal roster compliance measures, but also better positioned us to build a sustainable long-term competition strategy with the hiring of Chris Henderson as Chief Soccer Officer and Sporting Director in 2021. Inter-Miami is an ambitious, an ambitious club with big aspirations. We believe our fan base market and ownership group is one uh, ownership group propels us to be one of North America's most followed football teams in the world. We are committed to supporting our team and building a roster we are proud of. And that is from Inter-Miami. Now, let me just say this. As damning as it is what Inter-Miami has done uh, against the roster rules of Major League Soccer, I would like to see what goes on with these roster rules when it comes to these clubs in Europe. We all know in England that the strict rules for transferring players for a work permit to come to play in England are very strict. Very, very strict roster rules, or at least working papers rules, because 
I haven't. I don't know if it's this show is shown in the U.S., but they are very, very demanding when it comes to a work permit, whether it is playing football or a regular job within England. They're very strict about that. So all I can say is is that when it comes to those people or it comes to footballers trying to get a work permit to, to perform duties in England, it's very, very strict, super-duper strict. I think they want to make sure that the people who are coming to the country uh, in England, obviously, um, they want to make sure that everything that is happening in their country, that you are working there legitimately and not to have um, trying to stay over there past uh, your time working in England. Um, you know, because they want to make sure there are players that come to play in England um, you know, how important is it to play here because, you know, how much time have you played with the national team? Now, I don't know if some of these players do not play for the national team and they go over there anyway, but, you know, the rules are the rules, and I understand. Um, but outside of the country, for the, um, shall we say, what's the word I'm looking for? I would say outside of the government getting involved with this sort of thing. And let's not forget, uh, you also have to understand that there's also the immigration agencies here in the United States when it comes to some of these players that are coming over that want to play in Major League Soccer or even play in USL and, and all these other leagues. You know, They need to have their papers ready to go as well and say, well, look, make sure you have your passport on you and all that stuff. Now, like I said, I am not, don't come to me with immigration questions or you know, green card questions or whatever you need to do, because I am not one of those people uh, you should rely on when it comes to the green card situation or with immigration documentation if you're just going to play here in, in the States. Obviously, whatever happens in England, they have their rules. The United States has their rules. You know, Every country has their rules. If you're not a domestic player playing in the nation you were born in to play in those leagues, you know, if you're coming from a different uh, a different nation to come to play in England, whether it be in the Premier League or the Championship, League One, League Two, you know, League One in France, La Liga in Spain, even in MLS and the USL leagues that are over here, um, like I said, don't don't come to me with these questions. I'm going to have to go to some sort of uh, you know uh, immigration lawyer or a lawyer that is uh, very well diversed and knowledgeable about immigration status or at least, you know, trying to get a green card to be allowed to perform, you know, in Major League Soccer with all these things. So that's all I want to say. There's a lot of rules and regulations. If you want to go on YouTube and watch these uh, Border Patrol shows, uh, especially going into the United Kingdom, what you need to do to, uh, you know, be prepared and be ready. And let me just say this. I will say this, if you are an American player and you feel that you playing in England 
regardless of what club or what league you're going to be in, if you're going to play in England, you feel that's going to be the best for your abilities. Like what Pulisic, Pulisic did going straight to Germany, even though it was Borussia Dortmund that scouted him and found him and brought him over. And, of course, they had to go and, um, you know, get his documentation prepared and everything. Of course, with his parents' uh, help uh, at the same time, you know, you just have to be aware of what you need to do because if you make one bad mistake and they'll claim that you're lying, they're not going to let you in. So like I said, if you go to YouTube and you watch these shows talking about immigrating, you know, going to England, uh, you know, either for work or, you know, uh, for school or even if you're going on vacation there, whoops, uh, I didn't mean to do that. Um, you know, whether it be going to school, going to work, or even if you're going on vacation or, as they say, a holiday, just make sure you have everything done properly. Make sure your documentations are done properly, and then you shouldn't have a problem. And if you've done it before, obviously, then you don't need my help. <laughs> you don't need my help to tell you how to you know, get a passport ready or to, uh, how you call it, have yourself ready to go for school or for other things. And, you know, just, just be yourself and get ready to go and just make sure all your documentations are done uh, correctly and, you know, what is your plans for going to those countries and, you know, just make sure you don't do anything foolish and stupid. That's all I have to say. I mean, we probably have the same problems too. Obviously, we probably have the same situations that they have, you know. You come in on a visa, uh, just make sure that it's done properly, and hopefully nothing bad will happen. You won't be kicked out of the country. So, like I said, just, just pay attention to the situations that uh, is in front of you when you're doing these sort of things. And, you know, just do your job the right way to prepare for these um, situations. Other than that, all I can say is is that uh, what Inter-Miami did was flat-out wrong. Um, but, you know, I, I think the one problem we have here is this. And once again, it's just a situation of, we cannot allow this to continue on and just be an issue. So all I'm saying is is that I think you're just going to have to you handle your own business. Uh, MLS is handling their own business. I would like to see them, you know, <laughs> you, you can't have... Uh, you know, a salary cap, and then you know you're you're having all these other rules hampering what clubs want to do. So let's just move on, move forward, and hopefully one day MLS will relax these rule roster rules or these regulations for the rosters. Get rid of DPS. Get rid of youth DPS. Get rid of you know um, international DPS. Get rid of uh, discovery players and all that stuff. Let's peel back some of this stuff and let's just have straightforward roster rules that we don't have to worry about this. And hopefully you have these owners that want to spend the money, go after these players. Because some of these teams that don't want to spend the money to go after these players, fine. Leave them, choose however you want to do it. But for now, 
you just got to leave it alone. Um, and this is what uh, Inter-Miami had to do. And uh, unfortunately, that's the situation we have here. Now, New York Red Bulls, 2-1 winners over Orlando City. Orlando City, one of three clubs that were unbeaten. Uh, unbeaten, no more. They suffered their first loss of the year after going three wins, no losses, three draws, and now they have a loss. Um, what can you say about Caden Clark? Uh, he's been sensational. I, I have to tell you, I was very happy to watch him perform. I was very happy to see him perform and moving forward and just getting ready to go out there, being put himself in a position. Uh, Patrick Klamala looked fantastic in his first start. Nice cross uh, that went right in front of the net. And there's Caden Clark out of nowhere to tap it in for the first goal of the match, fourth of the season, sixth in uh, sixth in uh, league play. Of course, he's got seven in all competitions. That's the playoff goal, of course, last year against Columbus in Columbus. Uh, Caden Clark so far is looking really good and really strong. I thought Patrick Pomala had a very good match. Um, I thought the Red Bulls had a great match. I thought they were fantastic for 90 minutes. I know they gave up a late goal late in the second half, but you know what, though? The truth is they had a very good match. I thought they were perfect all over the place. I thought they played well, defended well. Um, they, they attacked well. I didn't see any issues with them at all, and I was pleased. I thought a great opening 45, a great closing 45. Christian Casares Jr., what a goal from him before he left for Venezuela that going to the roster for the Copa America uh, tomorrow starts June. Uh, He'll have matches uh, right now for the 6th and the 8th in the group stage. Um, Great, great matches for him. I thought he looked fantastic. I thought he looked strong um, out there. Uh, You know, we're so used to him seeing as a defensive mid, having some opportunities here and there. But, you know, now as a wide midfield player or an attacking player he is now, he has looked strong and fantastic. I I have to tell you, Gerhard Struber has really unlocked his offensive potential, not just as a solid defensive player, as a good two-way player, but his attacking prowess, you know, whipping the ball into the area, finding a way to get into position to score a goal, and the free kick golasso he had, and beating Galici in goal was tremendous. What a shot he had. He has really been fantastic since Gerhard Struber has become head coach of the New York Red Bulls. I think we're seeing a potential we never thought we would see out of uh, Castorus. I I really believe that. Christian Castorus is now showing to become an all-around player. I wouldn't say maybe a box-to-box midfielder yet, but what I can say is this, is that he's done well defensively. We all knew the defensive... um, issues or shall we say the defensive player that he's been he scored a couple of goals here and there but now to score three goals this season and hopefully when he comes back uh, from Copa America play that he'll be okay and get back into the swing of things he's sensational I mean my god I remember a goal he scored in the open cup against New England Revolution where he just 
bombed one from distance, and he beats Matt Turner from distance. I mean, you know, he can score. He can come in and trail the play. Free kicks, unbelievable. What we're seeing from Caceres Jr. right now is something remarkable. And these are the young players that, you know, they talk about that are going to do a job. Now, I don't know if he has any aspirations to leave MLS and go abroad somewhere in Europe, but if he doesn't and he wants to stay here at MLS and stay with the Red Bulls and the Red Bulls keep him, God bless him, and my God, use him. Use him great. Patrick Lamala has been pretty good. I've enjoyed his play either the two times coming off the bench or this time starting. He gets his first MLS assist on the Caden Clark goal. Um, I, I love I, I love his makeup. Maybe playing at Celtic wasn't what he was, uh, you know, teed up for. Maybe playing at Celtic was going against the type of player that he's normally used to, depending on, you know, what you want from him. He's a pressing player, and, you know, he's been good around the box. Uh, hasn't tucked one in yet. He nearly did twice in the last three. But, you know, Kamala... I really want to see Kamala. Nothing against Danny Royer. Love Danny Royer. I, I really think he's more now um, of a uh, substitute coming off the bench. But if he starts, I'd rather have him on the wing in the midfield. But the truth is, I want to see Fabio and Klamala up top. I really do. I want to see Klamala and Fabio up top together. Because if these two work well together, I think we can see goals. I really do. I don't want to see them subbing in and out for each other. I really want to see them play together. I want to see these two play up top together, go forward, and be dynamic. Because honestly, I really believe that these two, these two are growing into something special. I know Fabio is on loan. If the Red Bulls Buy him out of that loan. Do it. Do it. He's got four assists already. I know he hasn't scored any goals, but I want to see Fabio remaining here with the New York Red Bulls. I want to see him with Klamala up top and really become a terror against these other clubs when it comes to the goal-scoring department. They haven't scored any goals yet, and I understand. And I understand forwards are the ones that normally have to do all the scoring, but the truth is, is that how they're playing so far, I don't have a problem with it. Obviously, if the team scores a goal, it's for the team. We understand. We look at stats too much, and that's understandable. But if both Klamala and Fabio can work well together, then you don't know what could happen. And I probably believe that those two will be doing some big-time damage up top and up front. If they come together as a starting pair, go for it. Nothing against Barlow, nothing against White. I just feel that for Tom Barlow right now, and I'd love to see him play too, I think Barlow's going to have to go back down to USL. Brian White might have to go to USL. Or you're just going to have him get ready uh, to perform uh, you know, up top whenever they're ready to go. Because I, don't, I think Barlow got the jump a little too early, and I really think right now for Barlow, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> I, I think Barlow's going to have to have some time at USL because I think he got rushed. 
And, you know, that, that, that's not his fault. That's not his fault. It's just this is what happens when you're relying on players a little too much. Maybe they're not ready to make that move. Barlow had a good opportunity when he got up here two, three years ago. But now we're seeing him yanking the ball wide, easy shots being pulled away from the goal and going on the outside of the posts. Brian White has done a good job, but honestly, I think I think both Barlow and White, they might have to see some time in USL before they come back up, or mostly Barlow. White will probably be coming off the bench. Maybe he'll start occasionally here and there, but for Barlow, I think he's got to go back down to USL. And if he does go back down to USL, writes his own ship, he'll be fine, and then he'll be considered you know, coming up and doing some damage. Other than that, for now, I just say bring – Send him back down, give him some confidence, give him some more minutes so that he doesn't lose any time uh, and performs uh, on the pitch. So that's all I can say. Carlos Coronel, um, you know, when the club is playing the right way, he's not making those huge saves. I still feel comfortable with Ryan Mera as a starting goalkeeper. But, you know, Carlos Coronel, I thought he had a ho-hum performance in goal. Nothing really deadly or damaging. Uh, He didn't have to put out many fires. Yes, he made some grabs, but you would say those are more half chances. And it's not me saying, well, I don't believe Carlos Coronel is a player. I I don't have an anti-Coronel feeling against him. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, is that I just felt Brian Mera... Uh, should be the number one goalkeeper on this club. And once again, um, it's Carlos Coronel that's getting the time. And um, I I just feel right now it's Ryan Mara should never have lost his number one spot. But it's a brand-new manager, obviously, in Gerhard Struber. He loves his players. But, you know, uh, I think in goal, uh, you would like to see the experience of Ryan Mara go out there and, and perform. Didn't happen this year. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But right now, it's a situation where Coronel is the number one right now, which I feel he's not. But like I said, I am not going to start one of those uh, uh, things on Twitter or on the uh, Internet or anything because I am not the manager. And, uh, and you know, if, he ha- if there's a game where he's making bad positioning decisions out there, he needs to get kicked out. Because you cannot have a guy like that, um, let's just say for the heck of it, jump too early for a ball which you're nowhere near, and at the same time, don't try and cheat and peel yourself off the post when the ball is not being crossed. It's going in for a shot. So that's all I can say. Other than that, for the New York Red Bulls, uh, they are now three wins, no lo- no draws, four losses, nine points. I believe they're back down to probably eighth or ninth place in MLS. If I could just take a look at the standings real quickly here uh, in MLS. So we go to the conference right now into the Eastern Conference. And at the moment, uh, they are in ninth place ahead of D.C. United. D.C. has played one match more than the Red Bulls. And, of course, in the points per game, the Red Bulls are ahead at 1.29, while D.C. is at 1.13. Miami is in 11th place with uh, eight points. So 
Um, still near the playoffs. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. They are a good uh, eight points behind New England. They'll play them again in a couple of weeks. But don't forget, June 18th on a Friday night, the New York Red Bulls hosting Nashville SC for the very first time. And that means the return of Dex McCarty and Alex Muil, And they should be ready to go moving forward. And we'll see what's going to happen there. And before we say goodnight, let me quickly go ahead and uh, get for you. This is the roster that will be for the CONCACAF Nations League for the United States. And here is that uh, squad for the men's national team, the U.S. men's national team for the CONCACAF Nations League. Your goalkeepers are going to be Ivan Horvath, uh, David Ochoa, Zach Steffen. The defenders are going to be John Brooks, Reggie Cannon, Sergino Dest, Matt, Mark McKenzie, Matt Miazga, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin. The midfielders are Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Sebastian Leggett, Winston McKenney, or excuse me, Weston McKenney, Eunice Musa, Jackson Uel. The forwards are Brendan Aronson, Christian Pulisic, uh, Gio Arena, Josh Sargent, Jordan Sibachu, and Tim Weah. And this will be for this coming Thursday night. You can watch that match in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. You can watch that match if you want to watch it in English, on Paramount Plus, as they are now the official uh, partner for the CONCACAF Nations League. Or you can watch it uh, Spanish language, either through Univision uh, National or TUDN in the uh, Univision Deportes uh, Sports Channel. And that will be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time this coming Thursday, June 3rd, at Empower Field at Mile High in Denver, Colorado. It should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And we should really, really get ourselves uh, a lot of fun here. Then, of course, June 6th will be the Sunday, either the third-place match or the final match. And that will be the U.S. men's national team either against Costa Rica or Mexico, uh, depending on what they do against Honduras this coming Thursday night. Once again, on your app, on your smartphones, your smart uh, devices, the Paramount Plus app, or or TUDN Univision Live. And then, of course, uh, after this coming Sunday, for that final or third-place match, friendly between the United States and Costa Rica, which will be at Rio Tinto Stadium uh, in Utah, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, June 9th. So that will be at 5 o'clock Eastern Time uh, over in the uh, <clears throat> mountain region over in Utah. So that should be a lot of fun. And then uh, get ready. Get ready for the CONCACAF Gold Cup coming in July as the United States are going to be in Group B along with Canada. And it should be a fun time to uh, go out there and wait and see what's going to happen. Um, and, of course, let's not forget in the Gold Cup, uh, they'll have their first match on uh, July the 11th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, waiting for that uh qualifying 
tournament of the Gold Cup. And that'll be at all their games at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City, Kansas. And their first match will be on July the 11th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Second match on July 15th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time against uh, Martinique. And then, of course, they're going to take on Canada in the final group stage game. That'll be on July the 8th. And, of course, the game against Martinique will be on July 15th. And on July 18th, USA will be taking on Canada in the uh, last group stage match. And that will probably be a battle for who's going to win the group in that game. Other than that, it's another wrap. Uh, Don't forget, Thursday night, after the match is over with, either in regulation or in uh, extra time or penalties, uh, USA versus Honduras in uh, CONCACAF Nations League, the post-game show. Carter Krishnair will be joining me. Uh, for that one, hopefully we'll have on Eduardo Solano with me if I can get a hold of him uh, for uh, post-match fun. And we'll push it back, obviously, if it goes into extra time or into penalties. We'll have to wait and see. And then on Friday night, NPSL Soccer Show, we'll find out and let you know who our next guests will be for that one. But I want to thank my guest tonight, Carter Krishnair, as always, for jumping on the show and talking about uh, the situation with some and U.S. soccer. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.